Welcome to Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Being a fireman, father, veteran, husband, world record holder, and Ironman, he brings stories of experience to impact your life while challenging you to live it. What do you want from your life? Why do you want it? Are you willing to go through the challenges to get there? If you have the courage to take that first step, let this podcast be the catalyst to start your fire while you bring the resilience to make it continue to burn. Our lives are made up of moments called right nows. So let's get started. Forged in the Fires podcast with your host, Fireman Rob, begins now. We got the same love, the same love. Stay by your side, it's right over. Welcome back to Forged in the Fires podcast. I'm your host, Fireman Rob. We've got a great show, great guest for you today. And it's from our archives of In the Zone with Fireman Rob. That is, you can actually go and watch these on EnduranceZoneTV.com. It's a great channel that has so many inspiring things as well as great discounts. Uh, Check it out. But I'm going to have a great guest and a great interview for you to be motivated, inspired, his name is Marco Chisito, and this is his story. Welcome back to In the Zone with Fireman Rob. It's so great to have you. This is brought to you by Endurance Zone, and this is the best of because we've got a great individual, Marco Chisito. His story goes from Africa to Alaska, and then being the fastest double amputee in a marathon. You want to hear the story? Coming up next. you're looking for great content to inspire you, to motivate you, but at the same time to inform you of all things endurance, we're here for you. Go to Facebook and Instagram now and subscribe or follow us at Endurance Zone. Without further delay, let's get to the episode where you can be impacted and inspired by Marco Chisito's story on In the Zone with Fireman Rob, brought to you by Endurance Zone. How are we doing? Doing good. (laughs) All right, all right. Yes, that's. I was telling your whole story already. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on the podcast or on the webinar today. You know, I uh, I just wanted to start off with saying, you know, thank you for being such an inspiration to people because of what you do. Uh, I kind of led off with you originally from Kenya. You you love running, and uh, I I told your backstory of. In 2006, you graduated from Nairobi, and you were a teacher. What did you teach? I was an elementary school teacher, so all the subjects, you know, English, math, you know, languages, in Kenya, Kiswahili. Oh, wow. All the subjects. Oh, that's amazing. Now, now you enjoyed running all throughout your life, right? Yes. And then... When you went to that running academy, what was that running academy that you went to that you, you started training twice a day? You know, it was after I was approached and told, you know, you can 
earn some scholarships here. And I thought, well, maybe now I need to be serious about running now. Yes, I was serious previously, but, you know, sometimes you kind of think, well, I'm good. But now that it's going to go to another level, I better get myself ready. And the other thing was, I was getting ready to, to take the Torvel exam, the test of English as a second language. So okay. that kind of pushed me to be somewhere where I could get uh, tuition studies for that and also getting ready for running. And so that kind of led to uh, an individual in uh, Alaska, of all places. It's really the same kind of weather as Kenya, right? <laughs> you know, there's something also that we I always have to make it clear too. Remember those days, uh, Google was not working where I was from. So I could, <laughs> I could Google actually where I was going from. So I have an excuse for that. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is one of the greatest excuses of all time. <laughs> so now this gentleman, Michael, came and, and said, you know, we'd love to have you come to the University of Alaska, Anchorage, and run track for us. And you got a full scholarship, right? Yes. I did get full scholarship running track and field and cross country. And so how old were you when you went to Alaska? I was 24. 24. So you're starting, you're going up to Alaska. Um, your degree at that time, you're going into nutrition and nursing and you were just running track. Were you running cross country as well? Yes, I was doing cross country too, yes. Okay. And now I, I listed off of your accomplishments are unbelievable. <laughs> you know, first place in the great Northwest uh, athletic conference, uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, all American 2008 and 10 in the 5,000 and 10,000. You were, you know, this is just a little thing, but you were the male athlete of the year in 2008, all the way through 2010. So you really know how to run. That's, I mean, it was, you were, in essence, probably the focal point of that running team, right? You know, growing up, when you have to run away from lions, you better be a good runner. <laughs> <laughs> no. that, that'd be but, a good shirt. <laughs> um, in Kenya, going to school, going to a grocery store, getting going to get water. We don't get our waters back in Kenya in a house. You have to go get them from a creek, a river. So, all that was a lot of physical activity. So it kind of built me informally to be a good athlete. I didn't realize the advantages then of what it was building me to be. I kind of was wishing, I wish I had a school bus, a family car, all these good things to just have a good life. But now looking back, I think that was a good foundation for my running career. That's amazing. It's uh, it's something that, you know, a lot of us in the United States can't understand of not having everything readily available. How far would you have to run to get things? Like how, what, what was the distances? Sometimes we would walk one way for up to uh, 20 miles. Just even where, you know, I went to a boarding school, but the boarding school was far from my house. So we had to walk halfway through to get to a road where we could get a vehicle to go to school. Wow. Commercial vehicle. So there were times that we would walk literally for up to 10 hours to get to where we wanted to go. And for one thing. That's amazing. Yes. 
That's amazing. So now tell me how that, how, you know, living that way, because a lot of the life experiences create this, the strength in people, you know, and, and for me hearing the story of having to walk, you know, 20 miles for one way, that's amazing. And so what, what kind of mental um, advantages did you take away from that life experience and put into your sport? You know, when you've grown knowing that this is the only way of doing something, you kind of have to be ready for it because there is no alternative. There is no other choice. You've got to do it. So, but then doing that gives you that ability to appreciate anything else that comes after that, that gives you kind of an easy way to do something. But right. you have built a foundation of knowing that nothing in life anyway is easy so that built me my endurance physically and mentally to get ready for whatever would come so when i landed in alaska thinking i was we were in a wrong airport because our <laughs> dinner, we were supposed to land at 8 30 p.m and when we landed the sun was still up in august in kenya we are in the middle of the equator we have 12 days of darkness and 12, days of, uh, 12 hours of light. So when it's 8.30 in Kenya, it's pitch dark. But <laughs> having gone that kind of life in Kenya, which I didn't see it as a hard life, it was how things were supposed to be done, it had built me for anything. Like, you know, you're like, okay, this is kind of strange. I, this is really a culture shock, but anyway uh, we have to do it we walked for 10 hours we were able to go and get water from the creek we were able to you know work in the farm for a whole day so you know this is part of life in this new life that i'm starting i i, I love that it's such a it's such an amazing thing to be able to hear you know like especially what you said it, it wasn't a hardship it was my life and that's that's such an amazing way to put it and so now now we progress you're in alaska and you're going to school there and you're running track and then i want you to tell me about november 6th of 2011 um that was a day that changed your life and a lot of ways yes november 6th i was i by that time i was going through a major depression my cousin who grew up in kenya uh, came to Alaska 2010, so he was a year plus in Alaska, committed suicide in February of that year, 2011. So I was like really, really depressed by that, and I was taking some antidepressants. So I took more than what I should have, uh, my antidepressants, and went for a run. And I it passed out but i was able to get back you know in the middle of a night i just woke up from this dream and i was in the middle of the woods middle of nowhere and the snow had covered like half of my body and i realized at that time i was in a grave danger luckily i was able to get up and support myself with some trees that were around where i was walked and i found a groomed train i followed it and i ended up in a hotel lobby 
And that is where I knew how long I had been out. The guy at the lobby asked me where I had been for three days. Three days. Three days in November in Alaska. Single-digit temperatures. And I don't remember a lot of I don't remember a lot of what went on in that hotel lobby. The next thing I re I remember was being in a hospital bed and someone I couldn't see because I was not able to open my eyes. Then asked me what I was feeling, and I said everything else in my body is okay except my hands. My hands were so painful. So he asked me, so you know feeling your feet any pain in your feet i said no i still remember just like i was told that yesterday and the voice goes uh that's not good if you can feel your feet because pain <sighs> is a sign of life but it nothing registered then but two days later they had done electrolyte testing to see if i still had some circulation but i didn't have any anything on my so they said they had to amputate both my feet below the knee. And, you know, that moment, like, I didn't have anything to tell myself. I, I, you know, I went numb. There was nothing really to tell myself. Right. But having a, I had seen how my uh, legs were trying, you know, they were really in bad shape. That kind of gave me some kind of preparedness prior to being told that you know i might not have my feet and i was a nursing student too so i had studied uh some uh, literature on frostbite and gangrene and what can do to you so i was kind of knowing what might happen but you know i was not ready for to lose both my legs wow wow and so that just your whole life changes around and so like you said you didn't you know once you got to the point of understanding that you were going to have both legs amputated what was your what was your mindset at that point to be able to continue to just push forward you were a all-american runner did you fear that you weren't gonna be able to run again or did you know that you would be able to i at the moment i didn't have anything you know i just want numb like there was nothing i could really tell myself but then i told myself just let's see what happens after the amputation so then i came out of the surgery three days maybe four days later i was just in my hospital bed trying to ask myself how i ended up where i was at the moment and i realized one thing was i was blaming myself for having not done something to help my cousin but then the ability to control things. I realized in life, there are some things that you will never have control of. And I just told myself, yes, that's one of the things that I probably didn't have control over because if I truly have control over things in life, would I have, would I not have prevented amputation of my feet? Would I not have prevented going through a major depression that was within me and those are the things that if we have control over everything that i should have in the first place control so then i told myself you know what whatever has happened has happened you're an amputee and you'll be like for the rest of your life you 
can either allow this situation to define who you are, or you can use this as a teachable moment. And I chose to use it as a teachable moment. And I knew that I was the only person who was going to build myself. And no matter what everyone else would say, it was me who was going to determine how my destiny was going to be at that moment. So I started making some changes in my life at the hospital bed. And one of the changes that I did was I told myself, I am grieving. I don't think I need antidepressants. I need to stop using them. And I am not saying this to advise somebody to do what I did. I'm not a medical right. professional. I just right. did what I thought was good for me. Right. And I, you know, from that point onward, I just took one day at a time. And there was a fear of maybe this is a fake consolation, a fake solace. Maybe I am going through a denial, but I kept telling myself, if I was able to spend a lot of time to convince myself in a negative way. What prevents me from taking a lot of time to influence myself positively? And I said, you know what? In every one negative thought that comes through my mind, I will bombard it with 25 positive thoughts and see where it will, to, it will take me. And it changed everything in my life that's um that is that is some of the greatest advice i've ever heard of take one negative and i'm gonna bombard it with 25 positives because that is so true and you know to be able to have that mindset in that moment is is unbelievable but then you took it to another level of saying okay well i'm a double amputee now but i'm still gonna run and you (laughs) went what, 2018, you finished your first New York City marathon, and I think it was the second, or no, third fastest uh, time uh, for a double amputee, but then you yeah. upped it again in 2019 and said, you know what, I don't like being third, I want to be first, because you'd been first so many times in your life, is that you got the world record for the fastest double amputee marathon at 242.24, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Because that time is way faster than I don't even go to the fridge that fast. Um, <laughs> and it's about 100 yards away. Uh, that's, that is unbelievable accomplishment. Um, how did you feel after finishing that Boston Marathon? Were you going for the world record or were you just going for a good run? Uh, you know, prior to me running marathons, I tried to do the Paralympics because they didn't have anything longer than 400 meters for my And it it didn't click. I had been a long distance runner for a long time. I tried sprinting, it was not my thing. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna run long distance. I want to run marathon because I wanted to do something that I was comfortable doing. So uh, 2018, when I decided I wanted to run long distance, I was still in Alaska then, but then I realized it's not practical for me to train in Alaska. <laughs> I was going to, I, my prosthetist is in Orlando and I've been going 
back and forth since 2014. So 2018, we decided we are moving to Orlando with the help of my prosthetist too, who had also been encouraging me to move to Orlando since I first saw him. But it had not, the planning had not been right. So we moved. But as soon as I moved and made an announcement that I was going to do marathon, Bob Babbitt just calls me and say, hey, Marco, you're running New York City Marathon to raise funds for Challenge Athlete Foundation. I say, yes, I am doing it, but I'm going, why would you commit yourself to a crazy idea and you don't even train it? <laughs> I had not even ran as a neighbor body athlete. I just did a half marathon and it was close to the hardest thing that I had done in my life. And I wanted to double that. Now as an amputee and I've not even trained for it. But then I said, you know what? I will give it a shot. So I went to New York feeling like I was not ready to run a marathon, but then in life, I've always realized that. There is no such thing as perfect timing. You have to attempt to know what you need to change because how do you know that something is not going to work if you've not attempted it? Right. You even go to a car dealership, they say, they, they show you a car with zero miles it's from the factory. But it has to go to a road test for you to know if it's working. Yeah. So I put my test, New York City, and that just changed everything. I knew at that point that yes, finishing New York City Marathon in that time with this much practice, oh, I still have so much in the tank. <laughs> so going to Boston, I knew for sure that I was going to run faster than New York. But going to Boston too, I was not going for a record mm -hmm. because I had checked the previous year how the weather was and I told myself if the weather was going to be like the 2017 in Boston, I'm not going to run that. I survived the frostbite. I think I can put my body through that. <laughs> but the weather was so perfect that day and it worked out. And, you know, every time I do something, I don't tell myself I'm going to do it halfway or 90%. I just put, because you never know when your best day is. Just put 100% on whatever you're doing every day because you never know where your life can change. You're an amazing person, amazing individual. And we were talking about before you got on, before we uh, started the webinar, just how challenging it is um, to run on prosthetics. Like the, the uh, one thing that I remember that you said, you just never know when it's going to fail. Like give us an, an idea of how much, how much strain and stress go on your body when you run with prosthetics. A prosthetic is not like putting on a shoe because if you lose your shoe in a race, particularly a marathon, you still have a long way to recover. You can still put it on something goes wrong in prosthetics, the probability of you getting it back on is very slim. Also, the longer it could take you to do something, the more likely that something will go wrong. 
<laughs> I have a silicone lineup that I have to put first, put on first, and then a sock on top of the liner, and then the socket, and then a sleeve to hold the prosthetic to myself. Remember, it's not porous. Right. It collects all the sweat. So by the time I finish a half marathon, I would have accumulated up to, I don't know how much liquid in that liner. <laughs> Imagine running on a shoe full of water for yeah. 26.2 miles. It's oh. not very comfortable, but in life sometimes realizing this is how things are, you have to train your brain to just ignore some things and try your best because even if you sit down there and give the best excuse that you have, like I'm trying to explain how challenging it is to run on prosthetics, it's not gonna matter anyway. You People will listen to your complaint, your excuses, and then life continues. And what would you have to prove that I tried? Nothing. Also, they are fitted in a lab where it's so flat there is no, you cannot incorporate the topography changes that you go through in a marathon. The <laughs> slanting of the land, well, you know, you run sometimes there's like grooves or potholes. Yeah. All those are factored in when you are in a lab. But you go out there, but you have to fight with all those conditions out there. It rains. It's very slippery because the service area that you have with the ground is so tiny that any you can even step on a, a bead and that will knock you off. Wow. That's that's crazy to think about that kind of stuff. But then uh, at the same time, you're faced with this. People throw out this thing like there's no way someone running on prosthetics can run that fast. It must have been an advantage on the prosthetics. No. And, you know, we're trying to share this story because there could be someone out there who has prosthetics, but they are afraid of what people think of running with prosthetics. But I always tell my amputee friends, if there was an advantage running on prosthetics, in every running event, you would have seen people with prosthetic flooding on those runs because people would be going to surgeries to have their legs cut so that they can have the advantage <laughs> that we have. If nobody is going to have their both legs one cut so that they can have an advantage in running, there is no and stop listening to the voices and let's just encourage you that. Look, well, people, this is how sometimes I think of people running in prosthetics. You have someone, and I'm not saying these people are not putting the best of their life. Mm -hmm. Someone fit with prosthetics, they run five hours. It's so encouraging, oh my goodness, that person did amazing, we are so inspired. They start running three hours, Oh, well, that's amazing. They start running 2.42. Whoa, there must be something on that prosthetic. What changed? The fact what? 
was inspiring. The three hours was kind of inspiring. But the amount of work that I put myself, I get up every day here in Florida. You cannot mess it and snooze your alarm because you miss your morning run starting at 5 a.m. My friend, the sun will take over in around 9 yep. o'clock and you make it two miles. It's going to be like, you know, it's too hot, it's too humid. So I two hours of training every day. So the amount wow. of work, nobody looks on that too. No, you don't, nobody sees that uh, the back end that you have to put in to get to that, that, you know, not even a pedestal, but to get to those huge goals that most people are afraid to go for. I mean, you, you've went and uh, achieved many big goals and, and you, it's amazing the way that you put yourself out there uh, in addition to help others to find their path and their journey. It has been so amazing talking with you. Um, I always want to end with, uh, you've given us so many words of wisdom. I love it. But what would be the one thing, you know, there's a lot of people feeling like this is a huge challenge to them right now. And what would you say to them uh, to just take it day by day? What would you say? Yeah, and I'm not minimizing too. I want people out there listening to this. I'm not minimizing that this is a challenging time. But we have to remember, every challenge will pass. Everything that has a start will always have an end. So this will too come to an end. But for you to navigate through all this in life, you've got to have gratitude. Once you start being grateful on every opportunity, every challenge, everything that you've gone through in life, every little thing that you've achieved, it gives you a greater perspective of life. Because you think, people say, this is tough times, you know, very challenging, very demotivating, I'm demoralized. But then, you ask them, have you ever had a time like this prior to all these changes in our lives? Yes, I ask myself, has there been a time in my life when I was an able-bodied that things were really tough? Of course, that is why it started before I even lost my legs anyway. Even at times that you would have thought were the best times, there were challenging moments too. So learn to be somebody who makes things happen. There are two categories of people, or maybe more than that, but we're specifically two. Those who make things happen and those who watch things get done. So be on those people who, because it, those doers, we can make it, they always find a way of doing things, regardless of what the circumstance is. Excuse it. You can have the best excuse in life ever, but it's not going to change your life. It's not going to make whatever you've not achieved become part of your legacy because it will always remain that you never achieved this because you thought giving an excuse will get you there. It will not get us where we want to. Life is challenging. People tell me, or we live in very uncertain times in life. I'm going, wow, you guys are living in your planet. Huh? My life has been so uncertain since I was born because I didn't know age 28 I was going to, leave, to lose both my feet. I didn't know that in the year 2020 I will be living in Florida. 
part I took each day yeah. and appreciate what it gave me. So it's there has been uncertainty. There will be. And right. that is the end of life because can you imagine if we knew in 2002, for example, or 2017 that in the year 2020 there was there, there will be a major respiratory disease that's going to kill a lot of people. Can you imagine how amazing that would have been waiting and anticipating and like thinking how is this going to be? Sometimes uncertainty is good because it gives you that peace to just take one day at a time and enjoy whatever you have at the moment. You are an amazing individual and, and everybody that gets to listen to this one, whether it's live or afterwards, will be so inspired and your words are amazing. Thank you so much for being an inspiration to not just myself today, <laughs> but to everybody by uh, continuing what you're doing and, and just making everything um Gosh, I, I feel better today after having listened to you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find you? I mean, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? You know, it's easy to find me. I have my website and it's easy. Marathonmarco.com. You can just find me on, on my social media handles, my Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. It's all marathonmarco. Just marathon marco and i'm right there i really engage my fans if you text me i make sure that any question that somebody sends me i will make an attempt to reply that's fantastic i would i would expect nothing different from you because you're an amazing individual thank you so much for joining us today i appreciate it i know you got three kids that are probably uh clamoring to uh for your attention now so but thank you so much and uh you have a great rest of your night Thank you for having me and you have a great evening too and be safe. Thank you so much. I just have such a smile on my face after listening to that interview from In the Zone with Marco Chisito. Thanks so much for joining us on Forged in the Fire's podcast with Fireman Rob. You know what? Go out there and have a great day. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening and supporting the Forged in the Fire's podcast with Fireman Rob. Remember, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and please share this episode with a friend or family. To find out more about Fireman Rob or reach out about a question, go to www.firemanrob.com. Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.